So I'm really excited about today. I've had this kind of brewing in my heart for a few weeks now about being made in God's image. But as I've been putting it together, it's really um, grown into, <laughs> about to boom, it's really grown into quite an amazing um, gospel message, really. So I'd like to encourage everyone out there who's joining us today to share this. If you're on Facebook, share it, because it is just a beautiful, simple message of being created for him and um, just the message of Jesus and, and his part in that. And I'd, yeah, I'd love as many people to hear this message as possible because um, whether you're a Christian or whether you don't believe at all, it's, um, it's a message of hope. So I'm going to pray and then I'll get into it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for you. And thank you for your plan for us and yeah, thank you, God, that we're all a big, we're all a part of, of what you're doing on this earth. And Lord, that is such a huge privilege that we don't want to take for granted. So God, I just pray today as I share what you've put on my heart, Lord, that you'd open each heart who's listening um, online this morning. And um, Lord, you'll speak to all of us in a different way, depending on where we were at in our lives and our walks with you. But God, I just pray that today you take each one of us and move us that much closer to you. Lord, we, we want you, we want more of you, and we want to hear your word for our lives. So, yeah, God, we position ourselves now to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question. Have you ever been told that you look or sound like one of your parents? <laughs> and what sort of thoughts and emotions did that evoke within you? You know, if it was a parent that you greatly admired or respected, then you'd be honoured to be compared to them. Sadly, for a lot of people, that's not the case. And being told that you're like your parent can maybe not be so much of a compliment and could be actually deeply upsetting. Now, I've grown up hearing, oh, you look just like your mum. <laughs> I've heard that right from a teenager where, oh, yeah, no, she's your sister. No, she's my mum. But you look just like your mum. And that's not a bad thing. For those that know my mum, know that I really hit the jackpot there when it comes to genes. So cheers for that, mum. But because I'm talking today about being made in God's image, I started thinking about my earthly father and what ways that I might actually bear his image. Dad's probably out there feeling pretty nervous about <laughs> what you're about to say. But like I said, I look more like my mother, but there are definitely some character and personality traits that link me to my dad. So I'm just going to share a few of those. There's probably many, but I'll share a few of them. So one is um, our humour. It's a special kind of humour that I grew up with with dad. And I, I just need to say right here that I'm not as bad as him. And you know that term, that term dad joke? We, you don't know where that comes from? My dad. We share a similar humour, but I'm pretty sure that I have more filters than him. Well, I did up until this moment. <laughs> probably blew that one. But if you've seen dad on Facebook or probably online today, see if you can spot which one my dad is if you don't already know. The humour can get pretty wild at times. Another thing that we, we have in common is, um, well, <laughs> I need to say was, a love for running. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen so much these days. In fact, if I run now, I'm kind of all creak and wobble. But um, back in the day, <laughs> Dad was actually a sprint champion in the South Island. 
And I too love to run, and whilst I never reached champion status, I was always the fastest girl in my class. I loved to run. I loved sprinting. I loved long distance. Just let me run. Now, that running ability, ability definitely came from my dad because I've seen my mum run, and I'm going to apply a filter right now and leave that one there. <laughs> anyway, moving on from my... No, I won't move on from my wonderful parents because actually... Oh, no, there's one more thing that links me to my dad. I do need to share this one, although I'd rather not, but I will, just so to show you not, it's not all awesome. I have my dad's toes. <laughs> and they're, they're short, they're stubby, and I don't know what's with my little toes, but they're just plain weird. They curl, and they're kind of fat on the ends, and they're my... <laughs> Someone else out there is going, Yes! <laughs> So, Dad, we're not alone. That is so cool. But yeah, Dad, thanks for the toes, I think. But hey, they didn't slow us down, did they? They didn't slow us down. But in all seriousness, seriousness, I'm actually really proud to be the image of both of my parents in different ways. They are loving. They have sacrificed. They have always had a solid work ethic. They value commitment. They have a strong faith in God. And the list could go on and on and on. Are they perfect? No. Sorry, guys. But hey, they're also not Jesus. And some of those imperfections I actually see in myself too. I mean, I am their child. After all, I bear their image. But our Heavenly Father, He is perfect. And He has made us, you and me, to be His image bearers. And that is both a mighty privilege and also, why did that blank out? Also, a terrifying responsibility. In Genesis 1, 26 to 27, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, there are two Hebrew words in this verse that I want to look at today. And the first one is for the word image, and the Hebrew word is selim. And it means a phantom or illusion, a resemblance, and a representative figure. And it's derived from the parent root sal, which actually means shadow. Now, think about that for a moment. Think about shadows. A shadow behaves exactly like we do. If we walk, our shadow walks. Looking for my shadow somewhere around. <laughs> if we walk, our shadow walks. If we wave, our shadow waves. Where are you, shadow? Anyway, <laughs> on the speaker. My shadow's on the speaker. And it doesn't look exactly like us, but it does replicate us in what it does. And for our shadow to be seen, get this, we must be in some form of light. When we are in complete darkness, our shadow is hidden. And the degree of light that we're in will determine how clear our shadow is. Think about that for a moment, the degree of light. If we are in full light, our shadow will be awesome. It'll be really clear. If we're in partial light, we'll see it, but it, you know, it'll be a bit fuzzy maybe. Also, our position um, with the sun determines where our shadow is. So think about that one too when you think about S-O-N. The position of the sun in your life will determine the image that you're casting. I think that's pretty cool. I reckon I could do a whole sermon on shadows. 
but that's not today's one. The second word in this verse is for the word likeness, and the Hebrew word is demut. And the parent root, dam, actually means blood. And when we descend from the blood of another, we often resemble the one that we descended from. So derived from this parent root, dam, or probably dam, I don't know, the child root, damar, means to resemble. So the word demut actually means a resemblance or to be like something else in action or appearance. So God was effectively saying in this verse, let us make man in our image or shadow, one who behaves exactly like we do, after our likeness or resemblance, one who will be like us in action and appearance. No pressure. (laughs) But also awesome is that the image of God is actually not something that you have or possess. Because if it was something that you possess, then you could also lose it, right? So the image of God, it is something that you are. You are made in God's image and likeness. You cannot get away from it, no matter how much you try. It might be well hidden, but you cannot get away from it. The image of God is within you. It was created in you when you were formed. So made in his image, how? Is it physical? Are we physically made in his image? You know, the jury's out on that one for me. I mean, when we look at how differently we all look, we've got blonde hair, we've got brown hair, we've got black hair, we've got white skin, black skin, blue eyes, green eyes, brown eyes. Um, Is God all of the above? I mean, I think about some of the the characters in Revelations, and I guess that's possible. You know, a lot of them have got multiple eyes. Maybe he's got one of each. (laughs) I mean, let's not limit God. But actually, in Genesis 3, we read that Adam and Eve heard the Lord walking about in the garden. Now, if he hadn't walked about in the garden before, they wouldn't have known that was the Lord that they heard. Like They recognized him walking in the garden. So I'm guessing that wasn't the first time. And it's very, very possible that God the Father or God the Son took on a human form to visit with them in the garden this is God we're talking about, so let's not limit him to our, our concepts, our, our human understanding. But whether physically like him or not, we know that in, we are made in his image in our intellect, our emotions, our will, our authority, our morality, our love, and our creativity. It is all in there. It's all in there. So for what purpose? N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, says this, It seems to me that God has put humans like an angled mirror in his world so that God can reflect his love and care and stewardship of the world through humans so that the rest of the world can praise the creator through humans. How cool is that? That's you and me. Like That's what we're put here for. I was reading an article on a website, um, International Theological Commission. It was pretty heavy reading, actually, but it was also pretty amazing. And I read this paragraph. Human persons are created in the image of God in order to enjoy personal communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with one another in them, and in order to exercise in God's name the responsible stewardship of the created world. So that's why we're here. We were created in his image for relationship 
and for stewardship. God's plan was for us to live in communion or relationship with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with each other, and to have dominion and stewardship over all the earth. Sounds perfect. Sounds very Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Enter the serpent, or Satan. So Adam and Eve were created to bear the image of God, and then sin entered and corrupted God's perfect image. Now, that image was not destroyed, but the likeness, or that which resembled God, was now corrupted by sin. And think about the present age, you know, we think about computers, when they're corrupted by a virus, the computer might still operate, but it doesn't function as it was before because it's been corrupted. And that's what happened here. They lost their perfect communion with God, and they gained shame, strife, and toil. They actually no longer looked like the Adam and Eve that God had created in his image. Now, God's pretty big on images. There are many, many verses in the Bible referring to the worship of images and actually warning against that. But the Hebrew word for image is also used for idol. And people in the Old Testament, they would create idols that reminded them of their gods. And the idol would resemble that god and then they would worship that resemblance. Now, in the same way, God created something that would remind people of him. He created us, you and me. Not that we would be idols to be worshipped, but that people would see him in and through us, and therefore worship him. And that is how he chose to reveal himself to the world. I think that's beautiful. But we need to remember that we are made in his image, not the other way around. When we create our own concept of God, our image of ourselves gets corrupted. And that's what we do every time that we try to stuff God into the parameters of our understanding or the parameters of our comfort. I think that's what we do quite a lot. We try and stuff him within those parameters to make ourselves feel more comfortable. And in doing so, basically, we're trying to create God in our image. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. So God's plan to reveal himself to the world through mankind as his living images was corrupted and it needed fixing. Enter Jesus. This is where I bring some good news. We can once again look like God through his son Jesus, who is the perfect, uncorrupted image of his father. Romans 8.29 says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Now this means that the son is the oldest amongst a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Jesus came to earth as the perfect image of God. Everybody that saw Jesus also saw the Father. And as we seek to imitate Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, we start to once again look like our Father. Colossians 3.10 says, For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors 
who brightly reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transformation comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How beautiful that God did not give up on us back in the garden. How amazing that he still doesn't, even on our worst days. I'm going to say that again. God does not give up on us, even on our worst days. You know, those days where there's not too much reflection of him going on in our lives. Not much of a shadow to see. Now, I come across many people who think themselves too unworthy to be called as children, whether it's because of sinful behavior in their lives or simply because they have difficulty trusting God. And it's a huge one, you know, through being let down by parental figures or church leadership, um, whatever it is, you know, trust has been broken. And so a lot of people struggle to come to that place of trusting God because what if he lets me down too? What if he hurts me as well? You know, what if he's not all that he says he is? It's a big issue. But all through the Bible, I read many accounts of people that God rated very, very highly who were also flawed human beings just like you and me. And one that struck me recently was Abraham. In Genesis 15, 4 to 5, Says, then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord said, took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now we all know that Abram and Sarai, as they were known at that time, were unable to have children. So that's some pretty hefty promises from God right there. Firstly, they were going to have a son after all this time. And, you know, that's, let's think about their age as well. I mean, there's another massive factor in there. This son will become, or Abraham will become the father of many nations, and kings would be amongst his descendants. Now, they were huge promises from God. But despite this, Abraham's faith still wavered. He took matters into his own hand because it wasn't actually happening fast enough. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It wasn't happening fast enough, so he slept with Sarai's attendant. Hopefully that doesn't sound familiar to anybody. (laughs) But it was acceptable in that time. It was an acceptable part of culture for him to take, you know, they took (laughs) concubines and wives and, you know, and to him, that was an acceptable thing to do, but it actually wasn't in God's plan. It was not God's perfect plan and not part of God's promise to Abraham. So a son was born, Ishmael, to Sarai's servant. Some 13 years later, God appeared to Abraham again. Genesis 17, 4-6. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of many of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful, and your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. So even though Abraham had made plans outside of God's plan and not trusted him, had a son with Sarai's servant, God's promises still stood. Remembering this is 13 years later that he repeated this to him. It still stood. It had not changed. 
Sadly, regardless of these amazing promises from God, Abraham still didn't trust him enough to stay the course. In chapter 20, we read about how once again he didn't trust God when he lied about Sarah, his wife, being his sister in order to protect her. So rather than trust God to protect his wife, he came up with this lie to keep her safe. Thankfully, God intervened before more serious consequences took place, as they could have. But you know what? What I love about Abraham is he's just like you and me. You know, these aren't horrendous crimes that he committed, like murder, etc. His flaw was that on multiple occasions, he didn't trust God, and he took matters into his own hands. I wonder how many of us right now are thinking, yep, <laughs> I'm Abraham, <laughs> because we all do that, don't we? probably on a daily basis sometimes, but check this out. Genesis 15, 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now that scripture is repeated all the way through the Bible. Abraham is remembered all the way through the Bible as having believed the Lord and being counted as righteous because of his faith. He wasn't remembered all through the Bible as the times that he didn't trust God and, and took matters into his own hands. He's remembered as a righteous man because of his faith. Romans 4.3, Romans 4.23, Galatians 3.6, they all quote that scripture. James 2.23, and so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. So even though his faith wavered, all through the Bible he was remembered as being righteous because of his faith. You know, God did not write Abraham off. He didn't write him off. He continued to see the image of himself in Abraham and brought his promises to pass. How incredible. Now, God's promises to Abraham didn't come as a result of a time when Abraham did something great for God, but after his faith failed. So Abraham's a really great example of how God keeps his promises, even when we lack faith. And I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness and, and love and mercy in my life, even when I deserve the opposite. And I really hope that that encourages someone out there today, because that is relevant and applicable for all of us. So how do we live out our calling as God's image bearers? Genesis 1, 26 to 27, let's read that again. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You have dominion over the spiders, girls. At the start of this message, we established that we were created for relationship and stewardship. So the first way that we live out our calling as image bearers is to love God. Love God. Luke 10, 27a, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. You know, to love God to this degree is to fully, not partially, feel, think, and act out of a deep desire and affection for God. How many of us, I wonder, can truly say that we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul? 
all of our strength and all of our mind? Do we fully give ourselves to him and his purposes? What are some small steps that you can take this week as an image bearer to more fully love the one who made you in his image? Small steps. You know, maybe we can be more mindful of where our hearts and our minds are dwelling and what we're filling ourselves with. Let's not give God the leftovers. Let's give him our best. Let's do the best we can to live as his image bearers, loving him. The second way that that we live as his image bearers is to love people. Love his people. The second part of verse 27 in Luke 10 is to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when we start to realize what it means, not only that we are made in, that we, we are made in the image of God, but that everyone around us is also made in the image of God, then I think we will treat people with the honor and love and respect that each person is due. And by everyone, I mean not just the nice people, not just the people that are kind to you, not just the righteous people, I mean all people, because all people are made in his image. Genesis 9.6 says, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed, for the image of God, for in the image of God has God made mankind. Now we all know murder is wrong, and most of us wouldn't do that. But what about our tongue? What about our tongue? James 3.9 says, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. With our tongue we curse people who God has made in his likeness. Amber spoke about our mouth last week, spoke about our eyes, ears and mouth. Amazing sermon. If you missed it, please jump on and have a listen. It's on our website or it's still up on our Facebook page. Very good message. But there is life and death in the tongue. So I have a, a bit of an ouch question for all of us, myself included, and that is, who have you slayed this week? You know, when we murder someone, when we slay them with our tongue, when we cut them down with our words or with our actions, we actually fail to honor the image of God in that person. We fail to honor the image of God in that person. And we can too easily forget about the image of God in others, especially when that person has hurt us or if they are a particularly evil person because, hey, they're out there, aren't they? And you know what? I'm seeing a lot of that online at the moment and I'm actually really struggling with it. You know, if someone is pro the vaccine, they're slayed by those that are anti it. If someone is anti the vaccine, they're being slayed by those that are, are pro the vaccine. Christians are slaying the government left, right and centre. And we've got to stop. We slay with our words. We slay with our, you know, Amber referred to it last week, that what we say on our keyboards online is, is the same as speaking with our mouths. And we've got to stop slaying people. Let's start honouring the image of God in people. Whether you agree with them or not, that's absolutely irrelevant. You know, whether you can see God in them or not, you know, like I talked about the shadows, when people are in complete darkness, in, in 
complete darkness, you can't see their shadow. There are people out there that are in complete darkness. You can't see the image of God in them, but we've, we've got to remember it is there. And when we slay them with our words, when we rip them apart, we're actually not honouring the image of God in them. His word said he has created us all in his image, and we are all a work in progress, us as well, very much so. And those people that we're slaying will never come to be transformed into his image if they can't first see him in us. If they can't see him in us, why would they want to know? You know, we are not made in the image of God because of what we do, but because of how God made us. Who do you need to honour today by acknowledging the image of God in them? Who do you need to honour? The third way that we live out, live out our lives as image bearers is to love our home. And by home, I mean the earth, you know, where he's placed us. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord has placed the man in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, the Hebrew word for tend in this verse, or keep in some translation, is shema. And it means to guard or to watch and protect. The Hebrew word for work is from the word abad, which means to serve. We are tenants in this home of ours. Now, God created us to steward it, meaning that we're called to serve, guard, and protect our world. Now, this is probably something that I think we can all get a lot better at. I know I can. And if we're really honest with ourselves, there are a lot of unbelievers out there that do a way better job of this than us. That's a bit sad, really. Food for thought for all of us. So to wrap up, we were created in God's image to steward and to have perfect union with him. And when sin entered and corrupted that perfect image, he didn't give up on us, but sent Jesus perfectly in his image to create a new way for us. Our whole life is a journey of perfecting that image of God in us to become more like Jesus. We are called as his image bearers to be God's representatives to the world. We are called as his image bearers to be God's representatives to in this world. That is the highest calling you can get, guys. That is the, that's, that's it. That's why we're here. So I encourage everyone who's listening today to take some time out with God this week and ask him how you can better bear his image. I really believe that everything we say or do has the potential to lead people to or away from Jesus. If we can be more mindful of being his image bearer, I think our lives could look a lot different. And I think we could do a way better job of leading people to Jesus because they will see him in us. If you're online today and you have yet to make a decision for Jesus, I really want to honor you as a fellow human made in God's image. I really want to honor you for being here today. You may have never given God any thought or time. You may have done some stupid things in your life, but you're in good company. But when God looks at you, he doesn't see those things. He does not see those things. Man sees those things. That's not what God sees when he looks at you. He sees who he has created. 
He sees the plans and purposes that he put within you when he formed you. And it is never too late to start the journey of being transformed into his image. That's for you this morning. If you don't know him, it is never too late to start that journey of being transformed into his image. And you do that simply by inviting Jesus to come into your world as your Lord. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer now. And if you don't know Jesus and you want, you want to know Jesus, then I ask that you pray this prayer with me this morning. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in your head. It doesn't matter because he will hear you. And he'll welcome you with open arms. And what's more, the Bible says he'll even throw a party in heaven for you. I mean, how awesome is that? So let's pray. Pray this with me now if, if you want to know Jesus. And actually... I personally, I always find praying this prayer, even though I've known Jesus for many years, I just still love praying it every time. It's like I'm praying it for the first time, and it's still special and beautiful. So I just encourage everyone to join me now. So dear Lord, I thank you for making me as your image bearer. I recognize that I am a sinner and haven't been living my life in a way that represents you. And I want to change that now. Jesus, please forgive me for that sin and come into my life as Lord and Saviour, helping me to live in a way that honours you and points others to you. I give my life to you now, Jesus, to begin the journey of being transformed into your image. In your amazing name, amen. And Lord, I just thank you for every person that's been online today. Lord, we're all on this journey, no matter how, whether we've known you for a week or whether we've known you for 40 years, Lord, we are still all being transformed back into the perfect image that you created in us. And God, I pray that this week, Lord, as we just take time to seek you and hear from you, Lord, Father, I pray you'd show us those small ways, Lord, that we can make our shadow brighter. Lord, that we can better reflect you and better resemble you so that the world around us can see you because, Lord, it is through us that they see you. So help us, Lord, this week to be more mindful of that. Lord, in every conversation we have, Lord, in every place that we go, God, that you, just, you would remind us, Lord, we are your image bearers. And, Lord, I, I just want to thank you this morning for the huge privilege and responsibility that you've, you've entrusted us with there. We love you, Lord. We are honoured to be your image. We are so honoured to be your image. Lord, I do pray for every person here for this, over this next week, Lord, for your favour, your blessing, your protection, your provision. Lord, that as they love you, Lord God, that they would just know how much you crazy love them back. Thank you, Lord.